he's had such a good sense of timing. Like like the 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 one thing the one time I did jump, well, he time I don't know how he did this. He time it's like the thing in that where they're trying to figure out who the monster is, and Kurt Russell is talking like and you're next, and then he. Have you ever seen the thing with Kurt Russell? I have. I have anyway, it's one of those I scenes where. <laughs> Jesus, I want a movie podcast. He hasn't seen the thing. <laughs> Welcome to a cast with no name. We're your hosts. I'm Jay. And I'm Matt. This is episode 72. This episode, we make a deal for all the fame and fortune in the world as we review and discuss the new Mike Flanagan limited series, The Fall of the House of Usher. But first, don't forget to visit our website, uh, acastwithnoname.com, where you can listen to our entire episode library. We are, we are also on Spotify and Apple and YouTube and anywhere else you would get your podcast. Uh, and thank you for listening. If you like us, leave a like, leave a comment, reach out to us, whatever you need. Yeah, with our 80 views. 80. <laughs> and YouTube. Tens of views. Someone's bound to comment <laughs> on that, right? But, uh, yeah. Follow the House of Usher. Yes. So me and you are Mike Flanagan fans. Yes. I like to think. Yes. And it seems like he's turning these out every year. Yes. Has he got a Netflix deal? No. Is that what this is? <laughs> Actually, he did. But, uh, is this he done? Is, yeah, this is his final one. So oh, he fine. has, uh, he is a partner at a production company, and his production company just signed a deal with Amazon, I believe. So okay. probably, I think for the next five years or next five projects or something like that, he'll be doing stuff for Amazon. Is that why he poached some Amazon actors and actresses uh, from Reacher? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Didn't even think about that, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so he'll be doing stuff for Amazon. Uh, yeah, with all of his next projects. And last year, Midnight Club came out. It's called the Midnight Club, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. We didn't finish it because it wasn't made for us. But uh, yeah, so I, I well, I finished the first season. And oh, you did. Yeah, Netflix didn't. didn't even finish it because they canceled, they canceled it, it after the first season. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think it was more teen. Yeah, oriented. I don't know if that's a strong suit. Writing a show centered around teens. Yeah, it, I like the idea behind it, like having uh -huh. just standalone ep bottle episodes yeah. of individual stories, um, and then you could kind of have like a overarching uh, story throughout um, that doesn't have to do with the individual stories. But yeah, I it I yeah I don't know. It, it felt too it, much like they. The, they they didn't feel like real characters. Yeah, and I think the one the main issue is he does a really good job of fleshing out characters. Mm -hmm. And the thing with kids is there's not a lot of depth to flesh out because they they're just not the life experiences. Yeah, there. they're, so they're when, not deep yet. So when when they when they start to pontificate or they have deep thoughts, it just feels forced and mm -hmm. fake. Oh, this is something that would come out of a sixty year old's mouth, not a not a 16 year old's mouth or, you know what, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It it's like the, the Dawson Creek thing to yeah. where, yeah. uh, I think you brought it up. It's, uh, Oh, I write how kids want to sound right. when they speak. Yeah. <laughs> That's how they want to sound. <laughs> what a, oh, um, just really, that's how kids want to sound. Well, they want to sound important and intelligent and Jeez. like what they're saying actually matters, which at the time in their mind, it probably does. But I, re I really don't think that's what kids are concerned about. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, I would disagree with that. I think, I mean, I think most high schoolers will probably say something thinking that it's deep, uh -huh. but it's just, it just fucking isn't like they may think it is and their friends may think, oh yeah, that's deep. And oh yeah, yeah. It's so right. Oh yeah. yeah. It's like, 
your early years of college. And so I'm, most people have probably gone to college at some point. If you haven't, let me illuminate you. You go to college and you got to protest about something. Mm-hmm. Whatever the like when I went, it was the Iraq war. So everyone was protesting against that and they would mm-hmm. do slam poetry or whatever dumb shit. And yeah. they thought that they were changing the world. Mean No, not you're not. You're just you're preaching to the choir and you're not you're not doing it. Yeah. But but everyone thinks that they're so informed and cosmopolitan and just have these views that are just so transcendent that no one's ever thought of yeah that no one's ever thought of before because they took their introductory to philosophy class last semester have you ever thought about what happened before the big bang (laughs) it's like yes you're not the only person to ever think of that before we've been trying to figure this out for since the dawn of man there's fields of people just, just doing nothing but thinking about that shit exactly yeah so anyway, that was the Midnight Club, but the one before that, Midnight Mass, me and you yes. just absolutely think it's, it's one of the best things ever made. It's the bee's knees. <laughs> very good. So that's what I was trying, that was the bar that I was looking for mm-hmm. here. That's what I was reviewing it towards or against. Okay. So so I, I was thinking about, because, um, and we're going to be talking about spoilers in this, so um, we can kind of do first impressions, but... The uh, while I was watching this, I was thinking it it would be tough, like because this isn't my favorite Mike Flanagan thing, mm-hmm. but I look at it as Pixar in the '90s and 2000s to where oh yeah that that wasn't a good Pixar movie, but it's still a really good movie. Sure. Kind of, I mean, sure. compared to other, but you're setting it, you're comparing it to each other, and Mike Flanagan, I feel like, is another one of those people for me. To where even the things that I don't necessarily may like, like Midnight Club, is still better than a lot of other crap that is being pumped out yeah. elsewhere. Um, but I can yeah. agree with that. But so, but same same thing. Like I, yeah, Midnight Mass and The Haunting of Hill House mm-hmm. are up there, and um, and that's a similar thing. I, I kind of compare it to his other works or whatever, which. It's a good thing. May or may not be fair because I mean I he, had, fair. he had like fifteen years to do ten years to do fair. midnight <laughs> midnight mass. I will say I like the idea of this show. It's very interesting. Yeah, I yep. I, I understand what he was trying to do with it, um, and I thought it was a very interesting approach because you can't. And a lot of the times Hollywood does that where they try to adapt like an Edgar Allan po- like a po- a poem or a short story. There's not enough meat on the bones, mm-hmm. so you, you try to make a two-hour movie out of that, or maybe even a show, and it just doesn't, it doesn't work because there's not enough there. Mm-hmm. I like how he incorporated pretty much, not all of his work, obviously, but a lot of his work he into... Pulled, yeah, pulled a lot of influences. Into each episode, which kind was of pretty put nice. It in there. Yeah. Um, the, let's do first impressions really quick, and then we can yeah. uh, go balls deep. Sure. Um, new name of the podcast. Going ball seat. Jeez. With Matt and Jay. Um, Probably get more views. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) We have a a very specific demographic that listens to us Uh, for some reason. Um, (laughs) But uh, I guess overall first impressions, you go first. What did you think? I thought it was solid. Um, Not quite to the level of Haunted of Hill House or uh, Midnight Mass, but I thought it was solid. The, The performances were great. I mean... I told you I thought the, the Bruce Greenwood I like Oscar worthy stuff mm-hmm. especially that last last episode but 
the interaction with him and du, Dupont, 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 Dupont. That would, I could take that. You know, I love Quentin Tarantino and dialogue. So mm-hmm. if I like the characters and their the performances by done well by really really good actors, I could watch that like any day of the week. I love it. So. Yeah, very solid, good. Of course, you know, it's a Mike Flanagan show, so it looks like a Mike Flanagan show. The music in it's great. Set design, mm-hmm. it's all very um, ominous and sort of creepy. Uh, clean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, story was good. I liked how they interacted with, I liked how each episode was dedicated to a kid and a little bit background of their story to see how messed up they actually were and it all kind of tied together at the end there and solid. Mm-hmm. I strong recommendation. I I enjoyed it. Okay. Um I I thought it was okay. Yeah. I um I again the acting I think was phenomenal. Uh-huh. Uh Bruce Green. I mean mainly I mean there there wasn't any bad acting. Um there are a couple of characters that I found a little bit one-dimensional or cartoonish mm-hmm. at times and I don't know if that was just because of the character or because uh, some of those, I mean, there was a couple instances where the characters felt cartoonish, um, to where they were played by older actors, but mainly the younger actor and actresses that were playing these characters, it just felt a little off. And I don't know if that was just not necessarily lack of skill on them or, or what, or just, there wasn't much for the character, but, um, but the acting across the board, I thought was phenomenal. The, um, again, like you said, the mood, uh, the technical aspects of it is really well done. You, you mentioned clean, like everything is very precise. Yes. I feel like in this show, um, and intentional. Um, however, I did feel that it was a little too long. Um, and which I'll get into more later, but I think, um, the mystery for me didn't feel as compelling because I I knew where it was going about yeah. two or three episodes in. And so therefore there that lack of tension throughout the rest of the series, but it is still really well acted. It's still a good story. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, not as best, but I mean, I would, if, if you like Mike Flanagan, yeah, sure. Yeah. Watch it. Um, I didn't, the only Edgar Allan Poe story I read uh, was um, The Telltale Heart. Mm. And I think I read other ones when I was in middle school. But um, so I, I th- think I saw some reviews. People were upset because, oh, this is oh, it's just name only. And he really didn't adapt anything. He, he just kind of nip like took off pieces, which is fine because I'm not a huge Edgar Allan Poe fan. So yeah. don't feel like you need to. Um, be familiar with his work to enjoy it. I don't think you do. You just need to, I mean, it's, it's good. It's, yeah. It's solid. Solid. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not bad by any means. Nope. I agree. So, but, uh, well, let's get into spoilers then and, um, go watch it. Uh, if you haven't seen it already, both recommend it. Yeah. Especially during the, the Halloween season. Yes. Definitely. Uh, um, yeah. It's a lot better than a lot of the other stuff that's on. So yeah. 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 I know. I was sure. thinking today, I was like, all right, what am I going to watch now? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> what's next. Um, uh. okay. So, uh, getting into spoilers, um, what, let's just keep 
hitting on, I guess, some of the good things that you liked, if it is spoiler or whatever direction you want to take it, I don't, I don't care. I, I think the, uh, I already mentioned Bruce Greenwood. It really is him and uh, Carla Gugino. Gu- she's actually Gugino? in it. Gugino. 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 Anyway, him and her are like the anchors of it, like in mm-hmm. the final couple episodes that get a lot of screen time. And I found myself wanting more. Like, why couldn't they have more of that? Like, in the in the first couple episodes, because you mentioned that uh, some of the characters there wasn't much there. Like, mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot to Perry, the very first kid. Yeah, he was kind of, you know that that probably goes with the territory of the characters. There's just a bunch of rich kids that have no depth, and mm-hmm. it's there's just not a lot there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I have daddy issues. Mm-hmm. The, Welcome to a majority of people. You know, they probably have daddy issues. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, I have a list of characters that I feel were complete. And then I have some that felt cartoony, like Perry, Juno, um, yeah. the, uh, the, the wife, wife uh, <laughs> and Camille, who was um, played by Mac Flanagan's wife. Um, Crystal Balint. Wait no 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 that's Morella no, sorry it's um oh, Jesus if I could you know well Katie I got, Siegel yeah Katie Siegel yeah. I have twenty thousand names in front of me and I, I know. can't find it um she's a really good actress um yeah but it's so it's not necessarily her acting that felt cartoonish it's just oh I'm the spin person and I I spin things and I. She is. It just felt very one-dimensional as far as the character. Right. Um, you think there'd be a little bit more? It'd be a little more subtle. Something. It did, it did seem a little over the top. Yeah. And I feel like maybe if she was a little bit more, I mean, because she's incredibly intelligent, I feel like she would have been a lot more calculating and she more, more composed, she, more tact. Yes. <laughs> because because she is in right. public relations, so I feel like she'd she should be able to handle people very very well instead of just like yes. ramrodding down people's throats what uh um what she thinks needs to be done um yeah. and then but two characters i felt felt complete but also kind of cartoony was uh pim um oh yeah mark played Hamels. by mark hamill which he did great um I, I really liked his acting in this i mean part of him felt like okay yeah there's more to this guy like when they kind of expounded on his backstory a little bit with that transcontinental um show that he was a part of um but also at times he just kind of felt like a a silhouette goon yeah just like a henchman almost um which more or less he was but i mean i don't know that that that's kind of like nitpicking stuff um but the thing that took me out completely was when juno uh was telling lenore the granddaughter how her grandfather and her met and she got so worked up in telling the story that um and I was laying in the hospital bed and, 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 oh my God, you can help me. Oh my God. Do, how can I blow you? Like, and she had to like stop herself from saying, oh yeah, I offered to blow your grandfather. And I'm like, really? Like, yeah. and you're, you just got worked up telling the story. You know, you're talking to like a 15 year old kid or 16, mm-hmm. however old she's supposed to be. And, and his granddaughter, like you forgot you were talking to that person. It's not like you were drunk or at a party or uh-huh. what i mean it just felt it, it that interaction felt odd um to where she didn't feel like a real person uh same thing with perry stuff mm-hmm. like him hitting on his brother's wife yeah and i'm like i 
I could see that if he was brought up again, this is just nitpicky, but I could see if he was brought up his entire life, but they said that they found him when he was 16. Like he was living in poverty up until, um, Roderick Usher found him and brought him into the fold. He was 16. So he had been there for at least like two and a half years. Yep. And I'm like, like, is that how, is that how long it takes to be a a douche, a total imbecile and like not, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I've never been slapped around with like huge amounts of wealth to where that would change me completely and disregard any kind of decency or Mm -hmm. self-preservation instincts by hitting on your brother's wife and inviting her to an orgy. Like that just, it didn't feel, there was nothing before that would that would make him think that she would be into that it mm-hmm. was just oh i i got a whim and he didn't really seem like somebody who could read people very well yeah. either so it just felt out of the blue but it did feel like just a mechanism in order to put henry thomas's wife at that party mm-hmm. so that it explains his actions in later episodes yeah so i mean you're right but, i agree um but that, again that, that's, that picky stuff that stuff it just isn't interesting to me yeah i don't care it, it's you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's, I mean, it was a pretty cool way to, to go out. Yeah. You know, acid rain, essentially, like, killing everybody. That was pretty uh, interesting idea. Yeah. Because, I mean, you kind of felt like you knew what was coming. Yeah. And yeah. then, but, and they handled that really well to where everyone's on the dance floor and then the camera just kind of goes down into the crowd and, like, Perry's, like, lifting up his arms and yeah. everything, like, waiting for it. And yeah. you can almost feel it just in your mind like how that would feel uh-huh. uh just starting to yeah. trickle on you and i mean i that's one thing i did enjoy about the show just the the shot selection mm-hmm. was just he's had such a good sense of timing like like the 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 one thing the one time i did jump what he time i don't know how he did this he time it's like the thing in that where they're trying to figure out who the monster is and kurt russell is talking like in your next and then he have you ever seen the thing with Kurt Russell. I have, I have, anyway, it's one of those I scenes where <laughs> Jesus, I want a movie podcast. He hasn't seen the thing. <laughs> anyway, so Kurt Russell. Anyway, he t- he's testing everybody's blood. And you're not expecting like the the reaction. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a nice little jump scare. But he's talking to Dupont, and it's when um, Tamerlan. Yeah, Tamerlan's episode or her demise, and the way he's panning it, and then all of a sudden like the. The, the glass shatters mm-hmm. and he's on the floor and then Tamerlan comes in. Like I was that the way it was paced was very like, ah, oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's that Mike Flanagan, like ominous, like offbeat shit that you're just not anticipating. He doesn't do it by the book and by the numbers, mm-hmm. which I appreciate much like when there's just two characters and like, there's something in the background, like a silhouette or something. He mm-hmm. kind of did that in Perry's episode where if you're not looking hard enough, you won't yeah. notice it. But if you are, it's, pretty creepy mm-hmm. yeah and that's why I, I made a note about that because mike flanagan like i'm not a fan of jump scares but mike flanagan uses yes. jump scares but the way he uses them is very precise and there's usually a reason for it mm-hmm. and it's not just to scare the audience a lot of times so for example uh, roderick usher has um a medical condition to where he's developing dementia and he's getting hallucinations. So wasn't it called cardiovascular dementia, which I've never, uh, it's like, it it was some acronym or something. But the whole time I'm thinking, wait, it's a heart problem or is it a mind problem? I guess if blood flow is not going 
to your brain. Yeah, I guess Something. you could. Yeah. I don't know. But um, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> not doctor of words. Um, <laughs> but what he'll do is he does a great dr- job of just pulling you into the drama of uh-huh. things. And he doesn't necessarily rely on, there's a lot of jump scares. It's like someone's like going through like a dark room and they open up a door and it's like super creaky and there's like no sound. And then a cat jumps out of the way. Like it's something stupid. And Billy, and ba- hello. All right. I'm going to go naked and take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> and then a cat jumps in the frame. And they're like, ah, oh, Skittles. And, very true. and then they turn around and the killer's there. But it's, but in this, he sucks you into the drama or whatever conversation that they're having to where you get so engrossed in the characters. And he did this multiple times with Dupont and, um, and Roderick when they were sitting in the chairs talking. Uh, it was um, during, oh, which Rahul Coley's Leo, Leo Usher. Yeah. Um, he's talking and you're like sucked into the drama and then you just see the body drop oh, right yeah, in yeah, front yeah. of him. Yeah. And... But it makes sense. It makes sense to the story. It makes sense for Roderick's character because he's just um, hallucinating this. And so it scares you as the audience and technically as a jump scare, but it's also because it's scaring that character at the exact same time. Yeah. Not, um, and it makes sense for that character to be scared by a jump scare as Mm -hmm. opposed to random shit happening for the sake of the audience or whatever. That's Um, true. I didn't even notice that. You see the reaction of him. mm -hmm. Normally jump scares, it's, yeah, it's, you, you don't. Yeah. It's to to frighten you, the audience member. But yeah, you, it's meant to show you the reaction of Roger because he's not expecting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But uh, but yeah, that's one thing I like. I mean, one of the many things I like by Mike Flanagan. He's just so he's very he he can do that very well as far as setting up the drama and sucking you in and then then scaring you but doing it in a way that makes sense and there's purpose behind it as yeah. opposed to just scaring you yeah he's very good at foreshadowing too mm-hmm. i had no idea what the little jester was i'm like what is he is he hallucinating a jester this is weird and then it yeah it comes right. back around yep um why is he staring at the wall oh it makes no sense i i didn't even see that coming really no Oh, I figured somebody was buried in there. Oh, I didn't. No. And at, I, I had a feeling it was um, the boss. I didn't know that they put him in the wall alive, but I had a feeling because, I mean, they go into the bar, I think, in the first episode and they make reference that they killed somebody. Mm. And so I imagine that it was that it was guy. There. But I, f- I felt like, I mean, I figured that they like shot him or something like that. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. I did too. Um, why didn't it? It's kind of buried him brutal. Hmm? It's kind of a brutal way to kill somebody. Yeah, just leave him for well, dead. Yeah, which so uh, he died of dehydration. Probably that's how he met his demise. Yep. This guy suck. Yeah. Jeez, just shoot the guy. I guess they hated his guts. At least Madeline did. Yeah, and she's another one that felt. I mean, they did a good job with her young, younger, like when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like her always just kind of being that way yeah um so that kind of made sense roderick's turn during the deposition i felt was a little wasn't all there it out of nowhere yeah yeah and it makes sense it didn't lead into it enough um i mean it's not far-fetched because especially having your sister there in your ear um but up until that point you get the feeling that he's just like he wants to do what's 
right or you feel like he's not that he's not as uh cold-hearted as a sister he's more of the human yeah um, he can empathize with people and everything else yeah maybe it would have made more sense to have madeline do that and then roderick sort of lean it would for him to to make that turn it might take a little bit longer Mm -hmm. so you know, Madeline gets the CEO position, blah, 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 pulls pulls Roderick <clears throat> along and slowly but surely he sort of fades away from family life. And because, yeah, because Annabelle Lee, right, his wife, yeah. sweetheart, mm-hmm. he obviously loved her. So, yeah, it it didn't it felt very, very rushed yeah. for him to make that heel turn so it, quick. And I don't know if it was meant to be, oh, Madeline kind of pulls Roderick's strings. Mm-hmm. That would be more believable, too, to where Roderick is the CEO, he runs the company, but it's Madeline who actually right. runs the company. Mm-hmm. And it would make more sense if they played on that to where... Um, he's heavily influenced by her. He's heavily influenced by her. She knows it, but she's just putting him there as kind of like the lightning rod if mm-hmm. anything does happen. Um, that would I feel like that would make sense for her character. And, th- and it's not so much to where, oh, well, then you can't have that relationship between those two. Um, because you very well could, you could have her like loving her brother very much, but also kind of, I guess, pulling the strings for him, uh, throughout the whole life. Cause she never wanted to be, um, subservient to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, especially a man. She made that point. I don't need no man. Don't need no man. <laughs> uh, but the, so it, it just felt, it felt odd for Roderick to his character at that time, I feel like to do it because you didn't f- see enough of his younger self to see that transformation mm-hmm. yeah. um, of his moral compass. It would make yeah. more sense if, if he was kind of pushed into doing it by right. his sister, which could have been, in, be, been what he was trying to yeah. imply or something. Well, and I think it, it, you feel that way because the way he's set up as a kid, he definitely feels very uh, compassionate mm-hmm. and empathetic. And didn't really have like a nasty bone in his body to mm-hmm. me. It felt like, and obviously Madeline has had a, from the get go when we were introduced to her. She she's always like that. Yeah, there's no like leading up to it. It's that's just the way she is, and that's how she feels. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the first impression you get from Roderick, and for it to turn so fast, and plus he has like a family that loves him. It just doesn't it doesn't add up all the way. Yeah, and I. I, the other things that I have in here, like, I, I don't know if it's just the narrative structure of it that I think it could have been better if it was maybe presented just linearly. Um, but I feel like the story is supposed to be a tragedy. Yeah. And. Well, obviously. And. <laughs> but everyone dies. It doesn't feel <laughs> tragic because everyone's a dickhead in it. That's true. That's very and true. And there's no, I mean. <clears throat> I, I feel like it's not necessarily being like a, uh, it's not a, oh, it's not like a Twilight Zone or it's not a cautionary tale. It's. Um, yeah, because the, the overall moral of the story is obvious. Yeah. Like money isn't everything. And, <laughs> yeah, but I, I feel like it could have, and because the mystery didn't really hit much for me because I was like, okay, they, they made a deal with whoever Carla's character is supposed to be her name is verna verna which is raven 
Oh, yeah. What's it called? An anagram? Made a deal with the Raven yeah. to have all this power, have all this money, with free of consequence. The only thing is all your kids died. Yeah. <sighs> your bloodline. I, I, I don't know. Like, that, there were, the mystery didn't hit for me because I knew she was behind it, obviously, because sure. she started showing up. Yeah. And the reason why wasn't very compelling. And and you could kind of sense that they made a deal with her and she's some kind of supernatural character. Um, so the reason behind it wasn't compelling enough. It I don't know if it would have been made more sense to change the narrative structure. You could still have the Dupont and Roderick yeah. talking at the end of his life um, and kind of him just telling the story, but maybe just tell it in a linear way to where that way then you can see the transformation of Roderick's character more clearly. Um, and maybe, I mean, but this would completely redo all the episodes to where each episode kind of wouldn't concentrate on each individual kid, mm -hmm. but more of just, it could just be an eight episode miniseries of this family, the rise and fall of this family and um, their hubris and their uh, lack of compassion and the choices that they made are the ones that ultimately lead to their downfall. That I feel like would have been a little bit better mystery to where you could see the deal with the Raven. And then she says, your bloodline is f for, uh, as part of the deal, you're going to have your, your bloodline will end. And yeah, you can be aware of that throughout the whole story, but then you're like, well, how are these, how, how do each of the, and they could each be brought down kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. They're each brought down by their own greed or, um, vanity mistrust or, or disloyalty yeah. or something and um how it could kind of wrap up and she could still kind of play a little bit of a role in it um and still give them the outs and i feel like that i mean at least for me because the mystery really wasn't that intriguing especially about halfway through the series um maybe yeah, could have been a little bit better, and maybe give you a little bit more chance to humanize some of these characters. Do you think they should have? The lesson would have hit more, or would have been more impactful if, like, the kids were genuinely good people, and Roderick would have been more devastated if, like, he genuinely loved every one of them because they were actually really, really good people. And him knowing that, oh shit, I made this deal with the devil after like the first kid dies, and then the next one, he's like, "What's going on here?" Like this prophecy or this deal I made with my sister all those years ago is actually coming true and mm -hmm. kind of dove into that because you're right they all they're all like the worst people yeah so when they die you don't really there's no like <clears throat> except for Lenore uh that was actually a very good scene I like that yeah when Lenore um, had to go yeah and she just straight up kills her yeah I know <laughs> like, what's um, the point <laughs> the and and I think maybe uh but Doing that, you wouldn't even necessarily would have to feel for each of those kids. They get the kids could still be assholes and still die the same way. It's just then you're feeling for Bruce Greenwood's character, and that's why you want him to succeed. So I think that would have been a little bit better if they kind of went that route. Hadn't had it in order, you could have. Yeah, sure. Showed that these kids were had different sides to them, other than them just being greedy bastards. Um, but I think the the emotional point or the emotional beats would have paid off with Bruce Greenwood at some point. Then thinking, 
okay, everyone, like if he kind of like almost figured it out and then he tried to stop the next ones, like he tried to make his kids be better. He tried to, and even his own, um, uh, interference with that is what brings more Mm. death to where I feel like that would have been a little bit more interesting to where there was nothing that he could literally do to stop this from happening. And the fact that, yeah, he had all this power and he was happy with himself to, and when he was younger and he made this deal, um, he was perfectly fine with it. Uh, but then he grows to realize that that's his overall biggest regret. And and then the, the key part would be with his granddaughter dying. And I, I feel like that would have paid off more because then the characters would have, I felt like, learned something. Um, or at least one character would have. And... Uh, as opposed to making a deal and then they walk out of the bar and they just kind of oh, forgot, forgot it. Yeah. And I'm like, it's kind of a dick move too. Like, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it was their decision that they made, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah, I think narrative done a little bit differently, I think would have <laughs> just redo the story. Um, yeah. well, no, I, 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 kind of understand maybe why they made them all pricks because then you're not too attached attached and yeah sure i hope they die in an awful way Mm -hmm. and you're not going to feel emotionally different about it or one way or the other it's like fine yeah and and maybe that's that's why and i don't know i feel there's no there's no character to connect to except for like dupont Mm -hmm. um but he isn't a major I mean, he's a major part of the story, but you're not you're not put in his shoes that much. You are you're yeah. putting Bruce Greenwood shoes more yeah. than anything. I think they want the audience to relate to Bruce Greenwood. Yeah, and if that in in that sense, then I think there should have been some kind of. I mean, he had a little bit. You could tell he wasn't happy with it, and it was kind of hitting home. Oh yeah, all all my kids died, and but he was still himself kind of like you get mm-hmm. what i'm saying he's yeah. still his old character yeah but um they did have a nice scene where uh you know annabelle lee ends up shooting herself because he took their kids away just bribed him with money for the most part uh-huh. uh that was a good scene because i think that's where he realized that you know maybe he made the wrong decision he had a good thing going and he kind of just ruined it yeah sad i'm telling dude bruce greenwood killed it yeah he was awesome no, yeah, I mean, everyone... If you're going to watch this for anything, I mean, he's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, Bruce Greenwood, I've, I feel like the E... Uh, Malcolm Goodwin, uh, same kind, kind of character he played in uh, Reacher. He plays uh, the mm-hmm. young Dupont, mm-hmm. and um, I just like him. But Henry Thomas, I've, like, he felt, played a good slimy little... Yeah, he did. ...character. I liked him. When he's um, on Coke, he... Very good. Yeah. You think he... <laughs> he's like, this is my... He's like, it's my... Uh, Research going back when I grew up in Hollywood. This is how I used to act. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're 15 years old and you just got done doing ET. <laughs> yes. Um, Willa Fitzgerald, who plays the younger Madeline, um, she did pretty good, also from Reacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Mark Hamill, Carla Gugino, Gugino. Yeah. Great, I mean, great role for her. She could play, she had all these different yeah. characters and everything. I mean, yeah, the acting was, was great. Carl Lumbly, who plays the older Dupont. Um, 
awesome. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. First time I've seen him in anything. Yeah. The whole thing probably could have just been them talking. Yes. And I would have been fine. I think it would have been. That would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the reveal of Madeline in, in the basement was kind of, that's probably a negative for me. Cause it was just like, eh. They were, they were like hinting every episode. They were hinting at who does that downstairs? Madeline. Yes, mm-hmm. it's Madeline. I just thought it would have been something different, but it was. Yeah. And it was what it was. And because Christy asked, she's like, did she come back to life because his mother came back to life? And I'm like, oh, that's a good question. What yeah, happened to the mom? I guess that's who fucking. They don't really tie that one. No. There's no pretty bow on that one. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, the. The Madeline thing was. I thought she uh, would have been a. I thought the the uh, story and the I thought it was going to center around Madeline the mm-hmm. first the first episode. I'm like, oh, there, Mary was a Mary McDonald. Yeah, shots with a fist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mary McDonald. I thought that she was going to be the one that uh, the story centered around, but she kind of started to slowly fade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as the show went along, the uh, and that was the other thing. Like I felt like the first several episodes focused on each individual kid, and then around uh, was it Tamerlan's episode and Henry Thomas's episode, I just kind of felt like, yeah, I guess it's kind of them, and mm-hmm. like it didn't feel as flushed out as like it didn't feel like a uh, because like Perry's felt like a separate story, part of a whole. Yeah, same thing with um. Oh, uh, Leo Usher's character, Rahul uh, Coley and um, Katie Siegel. Yeah, Katie Siegel's. Those episodes felt like, yes, okay, bottle episode, part of a whole kind of a thing. And and then once you start getting to, uh, was it Victorine um, and the Telltale Heart uh-huh. and then uh, Tamerlan and Frederick Usher's episode, <laughs> it's kind of feels like they were adding more th- outside things into the story probably i don't know if to fill it out or or what but it didn't feel as concise or is a complete story yeah is what the other ones did i'd have to say the tell so hard episode is probably my favorite one yeah just because the ending was jesus <laughs> gnarly yeah and i wasn't expecting that i knew that she killed her but i didn't think that she was gonna go full-blown like schizophrenic and Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Bruce Greenwood's reaction was very good. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, his yeah, he killed it. He'll probably get an Emmy for this. He should. Um, but I do. I, I mean, I do like how he tr- like. I like that it was something different that they tried to do individual yeah. stories and, and then having the overarching. Yeah, uh, yeah. Going back to what I was saying about, like, if you were gonna do adapt poems or short stories, this is an interesting way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the fact that it's something a little bit different that hasn't really been has it been done before, like uh, adapting multiple works in like one. I know you're not adapting it like yeah. word for word, but yeah, incorporating just different like, works, yeah, incorporating a bunch of different stuff. Um, like you couldn't do that for like Stephen King. You can't do like. I think they did that. Salem's though. Lot with with Cujo and I feel like Pet Cemetery. Wasn't there was it Under the Dome, or there was something. Oh, oh yeah, Castle, yeah, on Hulu, Castle Rock. Castle right? Rock, yeah. That, 
Is that what they, I didn't, I, didn't I, think, see I think that's what they did. Is that of they course. Took a bunch of different... Have they ever done anything? Yeah, they did it last year, you, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Big Stephen King, she's on a fucking movie podcast. You didn't even watch <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Damn. Anyway. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's solid. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I I mean I was I was entertained. Um, there's a I mean there's like a couple episodes in there that I was just like eh, all right well, but um, but I mean overall it was I I enjoyed it a lot better than the Midnight Club. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not seen the Haunting of Blind Manor. I haven't either. I kind of want to watch that just because I wonder if it's more similar to Haunting of Hill House. Haunting of Hill House or. Uh, probably it's probably Midnight like Mass. I, I heard it's not as good as Haunting of Hill House because it's probably something very similar. Uh-huh. But um, I kind of want to watch Haunting of Hill House again because that's that's a very good show. Yeah, it's very scary too. Mm-hmm. The um, and I like how uh, he he typically does these longer shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Haunting of Hill House, he had one episode that was like four different shots, and each shot was like 15 minutes long. And then Midnight Mass, he had um, the shot on the beach in the second episode yeah. with uh, them walking up and down. But he does it in a way you don't even notice it. Yeah. Um, and until you're like, wait, the camera hasn't even cut. Because you're just so engrossed yeah. in the dialogue and God, what, Midnight what's Mass happening. Midnight Mass is so good. Um, I, I like how he does that. In those shows, I'm glad he didn't do it in this show because mm-hmm. I feel like it'd be kind of a become of a shtick or something like a that. Shtick, shtick, yeah. shtick, uh, trope for him. But one thing that I did miss is the longer uh, shots from Midnight Mass to where it just kind of the camera pushes in on the characters mm-hmm. or talking. Yeah, and like Zach uh, Guilford and um, yep, Katie Siegel in Midnight Mass. I I like those. Um, moments to where the actor just goes. Um, didn't have anything like that in this episode. There was like kind of they were cut up a little bit, but um, but no, it's still still good. It's the, the delivery, the acting is is great. Um, yeah, I, I feel like he's probably I don't know, he's probably one of the better directors for actors. Easily, yeah, yeah, I would say, and um. You saw Doctor Sleep, didn't you? Yeah. Yep. That's very good. The that I feel like I kind of need to rewatch because I saw that before I knew who Mike Flanagan was, right? Really, yeah. and um, and I had only seen that because I had seen The Shining. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I kind of feel like I need to watch that again. But that has Rebecca Ferguson in it, so yeah, that's it's very good. Never a bad thing. No. All right. Well, you recommend it. I recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not as best. I think, I mean, it could have been, I, I think it, I think, yeah, if it was structured different, differently, I think it would have probably hit harder and they would have tweaked things to make it kind of have some kind of emotional resonance because that's like, because I, I think that's why I like Midnight Mass and The Haunting of Hill House is like you really cared about those characters and and you felt sorrow for them and you i mean and and you you felt these things to where this i i didn't really feel anything they they were shitty people yeah i know and 
I feel like it should have because I mean it touched on a lot of social things like current event kind of stuff oh, yeah. like pharmaceutical companies and um the opi- opioid epidemic and um technology or um just corporate evilness yeah. and um and I feel like it would have been better to portray these people as or at least a couple of them as actual humans that you care about and that you feel sorry for. Um, Lenore is the only one that wasn't a piece of shit. And, and it was, and that kind of hit a little bit yeah, when did. she was in the room, it when did. Verna was in the room and she walks in, um, walks in there and you're like, Oh, Oh, she has to die too. Yeah. And the only good one. And that, that kind of worked. Um, she did say it gives me no pleasure to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And um so that I that I kind of enjoyed, but I feel like that maybe concentrate more on her than to make that emotional payoff just hit harder. Yeah. To where you get so invested in this character and then you're like, Oh, oh. And then you that way you feel I like s- you're losing a loved one. Yeah, it's not like the midnight mass. That scene where uh, what is it? Zach Guilford sacrifices himself on the boat mm-hmm. cause so that he won't like yeah. hurt anybody, especially Kitty Siegel's character. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, that scene. It's so good. It's very. God, good. I gotta, I gotta watch that again. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you recommend it? I do. I do too. There's not a lot of good stuff on Netflix right now, so there you go. Yep. And uh, go ahead and watch it. Yeah, the next, uh, actually, the next movie that Mike Flanagan will be doing oh. is a Stephen King movie. Um, it is titled The Life of Chuck, and it's currently in production. Starring Mark Hamill, Tom Hiddleston, Karen Gillan. Wow, some MCU universe people? Uh, Jacob Tremblay, and Chiwetel Ejiofor. We're gonna call him Brian. Uh, no, uh, ch- ch- what? I don't know. I, all these people are in the MCU except for Mark Hamill. I think Chiwetel Ejiofor was in Doctor Strange. He plays the, you know, the mm-hmm. Kara Gillian and maybe Jacob Tremblay wasn't. But no, anyway. I think Jacob Tremblay wasn't he in Iron Man three? I have no idea. No, different. Um, what the hell is he? In? Oh, never mind. I'm thinking of somebody totally different. Who's playing Chuck? Do you think that's Mark Hamill? <laughs> I think it could be Mark Hamill and Tom Hiddleston. Um, oh, okay, all right. Because it's about a life-affirming genre gender bending, a life-affirming genre bending story based <laughs> on Stephen King's novella about three chapters in the life of an ordinary man named Charles Krantz. So my guess would be Jacob Tremblay, Yo. Tom Hiddleston, and Mark Hamill all play. I got gotcha. Varying ages. You're probably right. Um, You're smart. That makes sense. Well, uh, deduction. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, you're stupid. <laughs> well, if I, step one is you just pull your head out of your ass, and then. <laughs> um. All right. Well, anything else on? Uh, nope. I'm good. Okay. I recommend it. Me too. Join us next time, as we will actually be reading on the show. The Book of the Dead. Ooh. Yeah. See what you did there. Uh, As we review and discuss Sam Raimi's Evil Dead Part 2. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
So uh, that'll be uh, looking forward to that. Yep. That if you're listening to this now, it's uh, that'll we'll probably just release that on uh, the Evil Dead Two episode on Halloween. Yes, we will. So that means when you hear this, it was only five days or so after the other previous episode. So mm-hmm. get a little bit more in there in the week. You get us three times in a week. That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, for us. Yes. <laughs> yep. So, all right. Well, till next time, Matt. Till next time, Jay.